In this digital first world, the old ways of recruiting are becoming obsolete. Or are they? The talent demands on every business has put TA squarely in the hot seat. Welcome to Talent Acquisition in the Trenches, a real dialogue podcast with talent acquisition pros closest to the front line. We want to talk to our peers who are actually doing the heavy lifting day in and day out. You're going to learn what their biggest challenges are and how they're being solved. I'm your host, Matt Reimer, and I'm here to talk about TA. I've been in TA for over 20 years, and what I know is that I don't know. I'm here to listen and learn just like you. No scripts, just real dialogue. My friends call me Reimer, so friends, let's create some new riffs with Reimer. Thanks for trenching in. We are live from the iSIMS booth at HR Tech 2023, and I'm with Rhea Moss. She's the Global Head of Workforce and Customer Insights at iSIMS. She's a company resident data nerd. She oversees the iSIMS Insight Program, which just published the 2023 Talent Experience Report. This report brings together perspectives from over 1,000 U.S. adults, insights from HR leaders, and labor market data from iSIMS' proprietary database. We're going to dig into that report and much, much more today. Rhea, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So before we jump to the report, you know, this podcast is in essence healthcare, talent acquisition leaders. That's the, that's the tribe that's, that we get on this, this particular show. Why do you think healthcare TA leaders should care about this report? What are some things in there that you think we should be listening to as we walk through our, our conversation here today? Great question. I think it's important to remember right now that as we look at what talent is doing, gone are the days where different industries recruit and retain in these silos that they specifically have their set of talent and they stay there. I think there's a lot of talk at this conference about skills-based hiring. And I think what we're seeing is that the industry agnostic pieces are really starting to fall together where the trends we see in one space are happening in other spaces and where you know, maybe it's a side hustle of a nurse that has a job on the side, and but they're getting these experiences in other places. And I think it's important for healthcare specifically to know what's happening in other parts of talent acquisition where they may not be able to necessarily take that action or do that type of recruitment, but to know what else is happening to set expectations and, and really compete for that talent because they're not just saying in industry and you're not competing with the other healthcare company down the street now, you're competing for talent with really all kinds of companies in all spaces. Yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, the, the idea also that, that we as healthcare TA pros can learn something probably from other industries, software, transportation, et cetera. So well, let's unpack the report a little bit. So the full 2023 report, which I, which I read on the, the, the flight here, was awesome. And so I, I do recommend it, certainly from a, a read perspective. We'll have to a, add that to the in-air catalog. Yeah. <laughs> Airlines, if Airlines. you're listening. Put it right in the, yeah, right in the, <laughs> the things to read. But it, but it was a great read, and it was an important read, and, and I learned a lot um, by reading it. You all started, though, the report, which I think is the most important question and unpacks, you know, at least from my perspective, where we should probably start today. And the question that you posed in the, the report is, what do job seekers want right now? And so maybe talk to me a little bit about that from your perspective, and, and we can kind of see where we go from there. I think if we know one thing from the last three years, it's that there has been extreme disconnects in all directions between what employers want, what job seekers want, what employers can do, what job seekers are expecting. And that's really why we started the report with that question is saying, okay, there's a disconnect. Well, where is that disconnect? And can, I love data. I know you said I'm the resident data nerd. It's my unofficial title, but I am embracing it at this point. 
how do we use data? Data is a, is a fact. It's people's answers. You really can't argue with it to say, okay, there's a disconnect, but what is it? And it really started to speak to several trends. I think a big one is communication. We heard loud and clear that this notion, you know, if you think about five years ago, recruiters spent all day on their phones, calling people, calling people. That is gone. We know right now that texting is key. Half of people, actually 47% said that texting is their preferred way to be communicated with. I thought that was really interesting. We talk a lot the last few years about texting for things like, would you like to apply? Or this sort of notion of like a blast text, mm -hmm. but it's more than that now. It mm -hmm. is really, and not just Gen Z, this is how people communicate. Mm -hmm. I like to say, if you got a missed call on your phone right now, or a phone call ringing in on your phone right now from a number you don't yeah. have saved. Not gonna take it. if you were interviewing right. with the company, you wouldn't have the recruiter's number <laughs> right. saved lightly, right. but maybe that's what we need to do as recruiters. Give them their number, ask them to put in their contacts, probably text them that so they can add it. Yep. If you, if you got that phone call, you probably wouldn't answer it. Depending on who you are, you might not even listen to the voicemail or it's full. Mm -hmm. But if I got a text right now or you got a text right now on your phone and it was a number you didn't have, you're probably still going to open that. Yeah, right. And totally. I think that is, as a society, a way we've started communicating, hmm. right? Text is very real time right now. I think email is very asynchronous and we're seeing it with long delays. Yep. And it, a lot of that talk is around the new generation, but it's really not at this point, especially as we come out of the pandemic and we go back to living lives and being in places like this, I'm unlikely to answer a phone call. I'm likely to see your text very quickly. People are saying that outright. Mm -hmm. That's how we want to be spoken to. That now, now, do you see that across all generations or does that, does that text break apart and does that shift the talent acquisition strategy at any level? Or is that just a, a major trend that you're seeing in the, in the, in the data? Overall, it's taking over. Okay. I would say when you look at older generations, yes, you're gonna, there may be more likely, I was with my mother last weekend, she answered 12 spam calls, right? Yeah. That is a generational <laughs> yeah. difference. Your mom and my mom. Exactly, so. <laughs> right? But yeah. this is where I say, I don't always say you have to use the data to change what you do. It's not, okay, now we no longer make phone calls, we're texting all our candidates. Yeah. But I say, use it to, go, to take a step back and go, wow, that's really fascinating. And I like to say to our customers, do you ever just ask your candidates, just say, hey, candidate XYZ, you know, we're going to move forward in this process. Moving forward, how would you like to get updates? Yep. What is the best way to reach you? And then save that and use it to better give them the candidate experience they're looking for. And yep. that is another huge takeaway we got, we got from the report is that candidates don't want a one-size-fits-all experience. They want an experience that fits them. So if sure. they want to text, text. If yep. they want to call, call. I think from a TA perspective, one piece that's very important is, okay, that's great, but we need to make sure that that conversation is on record, that it sure. can be audited, right? Yeah. This can't be on a recruiter's cell phone on the side. It needs to be done the right way through a tool. But I also understand, you know, I, a lot of our customers say, well, I can't text an offer letter. Yeah. I say, I completely understand that, but you could text the candidate to let them know that in their email is an offer is letter. An offer so letter, I bet yeah. your offer letters get open a lot faster. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's where the creativity side of it comes in. The data is great, but it's not great to say, this is your new solution. It's great to go, okay, in our space, how does that fit? Yeah. Let's unpack communication a little bit because, yeah. you know, I, I wrote down as I was kind of walking through the report, you know, that, and, and I think to quote the report, respondents cited lack of communication from an employer as one of the most frustrating aspects of a job search process. So, you know, we, we just talked a little bit about texting. And so, like, I get somebody in the process, right? They're a little bit more engaged. And so mm -hmm. when you kind of position the, that frustrating aspect, is that 
the folks that the recruiters aren't engaging with, or is that blended across? Um, so unpack communication because I, I think it relates to you know another thing that I learned in the report, which is this tie back to consumer behavior, which in healthcare is so so critical. And so I just would love your perspective on communication and and just if that is indeed like the north star problem is that a problem uh, across everything or is it just pieces and parts of the process it's a great question and i don't think it's a new question in talent acquisition what yep. i think is new is how much society has gotten over communicated with mm -hmm. and our attention spans have gotten shorter it's funny, but if you think about it, five years ago, if you ordered a pizza, maybe 10 years ago, you called the pizza place and you ordered and you said for delivery and they gave you some sense of a rough estimate. And then when the pizza arrived, it arrived. Yeah. Now we as a society are like, oh, look, our pizza is going in the oven. Oh, I can see there's toppings on it. The yeah. driver has left. I can see the driver is pulling in my neighborhood. That is the level of communication we as a, a consumer society have grown to expect. And then you have things like I don't want to order something and have it arrive in two weeks. Yeah. I, I don't want to have to go to the store, but I'd like it here tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And I think as people that that is changing. And I think tying back to the first question, texting has changed a lot of that. Mm -hmm. I think it used to be make a plan. I will meet you somewhere Saturday at two o'clock. And then you just both showed up Saturday at two mm -hmm. o'clock. Now mm -hmm. it's Saturday morning. You send a text. Are we still good at, you know, one fifty? Hey, I'm running late. And that sort of like, micro update texting conversation, we've all gotten really used to it. And I think what we're really starting to see is those general sort of societal changes and norms that have come about are really creeping their way into talent acquisition. Mm -hmm. It's if I go on a website and it knows that the last three times I went here, I, I order my groceries online. Yeah. When I log on now to order my groceries online, I don't have to start over. Sure. And when I check out, it goes, hey, you forgot the bananas. Yeah. You sure you don't want them this yeah, way, right? Yeah. That is what we as humans have gotten really accustomed to and candidly pretty spoiled by. I think it's a sure. incredible technology advances. But now as a candidate, it's jarring to send an application in and be like, man, it's been a week. Like what the heck's going on here? It's been yeah, right. two months. And then it's really exacerbated when three months later they get the automated, yep. thank you for your application. The job has been closed and we didn't accept <laughs> right, you. Right. And you're like, I didn't even remember I did that, but now I'm mad again. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, and, and so, and maybe this is uh, a slide to another part of the report. You know, a lot of the examples that, that you just, you know, uh, uh, kind of uh, laid out, I'm sure has some type of, you know, automation advancements, some type of AI, some type of machine word learning, of right? Word of <laughs> HR tech, you can't walk around here with seeing AI plaster. But, but I guess when, when you think about, our tactical ability to, and I think in the report it's, it's positioned as a productivity aid at some level. Is that the advancement that needs to happen inside of the tech ecosystem to get this communication issue that we've got, in essence, as a function under control? Or is there some other tactic that that productivity aid is going to come in and help out with? I mean, I don't think any company is going to say, okay, we want to be twice as responsive and we want to send twice as many updates. So we're going to hire twice as many recruiters. Yeah. No, it's not going to happen. I definitely Especially don't healthcare. think it's going to happen in the yeah, healthcare yeah, space, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. So what is the option? We have to get smarter with what we have. And I think mm -hmm. what we're looking for now is those tools 
that can create that update, that automation, that sense, though, of it being a person. And that's really key yep. because I think the genuine communication has to still feel human. Sure. I know that no one's going in my pizza tracker and clicking, you know, I put pepperoni on it necessarily. But I will know and I will say that, like, gone are the days of these inauthentic, hey, we're just giving you a touch, you know, we'll reach back out in a week emails yeah. that I know no human looked at. It's probably automated set up because I haven't been touched in a week. I think that's where we really have to use these smart technologies and these tools to say, maybe it's something as simple as using AI to say, hey, recruiter, you've got somebody that hasn't heard from you in a while. Yeah. Or yeah. based on what we're seeing, this person could probably use a touch point. Sure. Or we are using data to know, okay, we made an offer and these three things happened and we haven't heard back from them. Is that a likelihood of ghosting? Yeah. That's where I think really powerful AI will be helpful is to say, make the humans more efficient. We're not going to get more humans. Yeah. So how do we either help them write that email faster? How do we help them find the right candidate faster so that if they are just going to disposition the other candidates, it's done quick? Yeah. Do you, do you get the sense, you know, kind of as you dig into this, this challenge or I'm kind of curious even on your point of view that the communication is an issue? And I'll, I'll pick on like nurses for a, uh, for a second, right? Like there shouldn't be any recruiter in the U.S. right now that is not effectively managing the communication path on, a, on an ICU nurse that's coming through their, you know, their process. Difficult to fill. You know, not many you know, of them, if, if they get into process, you know, they, they should be handled well. Do you, do you get the sense that the communication issue is a blanket issue or is it just in the areas where we've got all of this volume? We've got hundreds of applicants that we're dealing with. Each one of them has some expectation of what should or shouldn't happen. I'm just kind of curious if, it, if, if it's in your mind a blanket issue or if it's just a, a volume issue. I just don't have enough bodies to deal with, you know this communication that needs to happen? I, it is an issue, but I will say it's an issue that's been around forever. Mm -hmm. I've been at ISIM seven years. When have we ever been like, wow, yep, this is great. Everybody yeah. feels like they're getting enough communication. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And as I was saying, sort of the expectations have changed so much. I will say my take on it, though, just kind of getting to be in this space and watch this space and researching it all the last few years is there really has been a shift of candidate confidence. Mm -hmm. Where candidates, if you're in a space like an ICU nurse and you know there's a finite pool of you, they've really got a lot of the upper hand. Got a lot of leverage. And yeah. that allows them to not only have these expectations, but to say when they don't get those expectations meet, I'm gonna walk. Yeah. And I think, yes, it's, a, it's an issue across the board. It's a different issue if you're talking retail and you have 700 applications for holiday hiring. You're just trying to get to enough people to staff the store yep. versus these really targeted hires. But I think it's a, a semi-different issue, but still an issue nonetheless. I yeah. think the, the more you get into these specialized cases, the more those candidates feel they are precious. Yeah. They know it. They will go to your competitor. And it's not just as a candidate. It's as an employee. We talk a lot about retention, right? They know and they have this overwhelming feeling that if I'm not taken care of here, I have no problem walking down the street. Yeah. And honestly, with the headlines right now, they're probably thinking they're going to make 20 or 30 percent more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So switching gears a little bit and I, I guess off of communication and, and maybe into speed a little bit. Right. And, and so this applicant expectation to basically have, and I think it was 72% expect the applicant process, basically from beginning to end, to be less than three weeks. Yep. 
Talk to me a little bit about that. Is, is that a reasonable expectation based upon the data that you see from a processing speed perspective? Is that, you know, is that a good target for a talent acquisition leader to be focused in on? I think it's interesting. It actually is very aligned with what we see across the system in iSIMS for a time to hire. We talk a lot about time to fill, which in my mind is really that kind of time to attract, I call it. How long from when you posted the role until you found the candidate you were eventually going to hire? And then that time to hire starts with when that candidate enters in, their, their application mm. submitted, they're in your funnel, how long it takes you to convert them over to a hire. To give you a sense, the healthcare time to fill right now, which is that time to attract and time to hire, is sitting at about 39 days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I would say it's an interesting thought process to say, okay, if we're going to try to hit that target of 21 days, then we need to find that person within mm -hmm. the first 21 mm -hmm. days or we mm -hmm. won't hit this kind of benchmark time to fill. Healthcare is interesting because while speed is a knob that a lot of industries have the ability to turn or crank up or down, healthcare, and by all means rightfully so, doesn't necessarily have that ability to say, we're just going to hire people faster. You yeah. know, healthcare, and you know, I don't want to be treated in a healthcare facility that says we do same-day hiring. Yeah, right. And it's like, please There needs to be no. a level of quality associated yes. and, with the And the not process. just that, like, please go check all the credentials. Please yeah. go make sure this person is who they say they are. And they have references that say that they're a great sure. caregiver, especially in those bedside positions. But I will say that's where, then again, it comes back to communication. Mm -hmm. If you let them know on day one, look, this is what our interview cycle looks like. And what we're going to do if we decide we'd like to send an offer is we're going to go talk to three to five references mm -hmm. that you, and we're going to go do credential checks and we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And you know what? Let's think about this process for both of us. One, we don't want to make this so fast that you don't have time to figure out if we're the right employer. Mm -hmm. And two, we believe so much in our culture and in our people and in our customers that we really want to make sure you are who you say you are and you're the right fit for us. And I think any candidate that just is saying, you know what, no thanks, I can get hired two days faster over there. Well, then I think they're kind of showing you their true colors. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it has to be communicated. It cannot be we're going to do a reference check and a week later they haven't heard anything. It needs to be very clear of if we get to this point. It's going to do X. It's going to take Y number of days. We will talk to you along the way. We'll give you that checkpoint. We'll let you know when things are going and progressing. Because I don't think you're going to see losing candidates necessarily as long as they know what's going on and they feel it's moving forward. It's yeah. not stalled in the process. Yeah. And I think that bi-directional interview has really got to be brought back as a selling point for slowing down. Mm -hmm. Of saying, look, this mm. really is in both of our best interests that yeah. we don't rush this. Yeah. Are you a big proponent of, you know, skills-based assessments in part of the process? Like, do, do you like to see, you know, processes with some layers associated with it to kind of triangulate, you know, skills and experience a, a little bit tighter? Absolutely. There is obviously a, a balance there, right? Yes. Between speed and and what, what, what you're trying to get done. So. Absolutely. I think you have to look at the space you're in and the role you're hiring for. I think if you're in a space where it is really important to find that right person, then yes, slow down, do the assessment, follow your process, get the right person. A lot of businesses get themselves in positions that they can't do that. And that, you know, unfortunately makes kind of what we call haste hires, right? Yeah. As fast as they can, which are great. But then we end up with things like the great resignation happening, right? Yeah. 2020, 2021, when we finally kind of came out of, you know, the really slowdown of hiring from COVID, it was like, we can't hire fast enough. And then the next year we were like, oh man, all these people are leaving. And I say, well, maybe we didn't slow down and take the time to find the right candidate yeah. and make sure it was a fit and create the culture we want and make sure they add to that culture. Yeah. So yes, I do think if you can, I look, I'll be honest, I know this is healthcare focused, but if you're in a retail space, 
and it is already, what is it today, October 11th, and you're not hired for the holiday season, I am not saying slow down and start giving people <laughs> yeah. assessments, yeah, right? Right, right? There's right. a time and a place for all types of hiring, but I think yep. there's really a strategy to it. And we are in a place finally with the applicant volume coming back that companies can be strategic again. It's sure. no longer like, do you have a heartbeat? Will you show up? Yeah. Here's yeah. the job. Yeah. One, one of the things that, you know, we, we at uh, Rogue Hire talk a lot about with our customers and, and the broader community is, is in and around, you know, candidate rediscovery, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, the, the traditional process that has been built in talent acquisition, if you will, is a requisition-based process, meaning that it, it's designed to fill a requisition, not necessarily engage a talent pool. Exactly. Um, and, and we have... We have data that suggests that some of, um, you know, some of your best hires, some of your future hires are sitting and really aging significantly in that, in that, uh, you know, in your database, if you will. And so, I mean, or inside your company, inside of your company. And, and I think the report talked a little bit about that as well. And mm -hmm. just some frustration with even internal employees on, you know, their career progression inside of companies. I'm curious what your take is on you know, the, this, this idea of like, hey, I'm sitting on a million applicants. I'm sitting on two million applicants and had a chance to uh, hang out at the Hired Score booth a little bit today and learn a little bit more about their, their candidate rediscovery um, platform. You know, do you believe that that's where things are headed? You know, when you, when you talk about AI, you know, productivity aids, I mean, are we headed to a position where, hey, AI is kind of always watching the database and then, you know, giving you and feeding you at that requisition level, the talent that, that, you, that you need and that you want. And then maybe, maybe just maybe helping with some of the communication issues that we've got. Hey, I'm a great nurse, but I'm stuck down in your database versus, hey, I'm a great nurse. I'm stuck down in your database. I didn't get this position, but now I'm back in, in, in queue for the next position. I'm just kind of curious on your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think. There's a very interesting space, especially in a lot of healthcare hiring, where you have such a finite set of people mm -hmm. that not only want to do the job, but are allowed or have the certification needed to do it. Yeah. And I think, you know, we want to talk about pediatric ICU nurses in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're a leading hospital there, you've probably at some point interacted you with got almost all, all right. of them. Yeah, yeah. So why do we go out and we spend money to advertise again when we know that one, we probably have a lot of them, and two, yeah. they liked us enough to apply here yeah, once. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. again, we go back to the candidate experience because we know that a poor candidate experience means that when you reach back out, they may be like, no, thank you. Yeah. Been there, done that, didn't enjoy the process. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I do think, and this is what we talk a lot to our customers right now who aren't hiring, mm -hmm. and I know that's not the healthcare space overall or in general, but we're talking a lot to customers who are saying, look, we're on a hiring freeze. Why should I care about the candidate experience? And I say... Well, because when you go to hire like crazy, when this all picks up again in a year or two, those candidates go, you know what? I applied there once. I never heard back. Remember yeah. that rejection email, yeah. right? And so it is so important to give that experience the first time so that you can come back and say, we noticed that you applied for XYZ job. And this yeah. is where I think things like AI will be really cool and say, our hiring managers had, while you weren't a great fit for this role, our hiring managers had great things to say about yep. insert here, whatever feedback yep. you got, right? Maybe the candidate was too junior. Well, it's been three years. They've got the experience we're looking for. Boom. But they said they thought you had a lot of potential then. And it was about me. Maybe yep. they recalled something I said yep. or something in that interview process that felt personal to me and said, hey there, 
we know you applied for a role three years ago. While it wasn't a great fit at the time, we've got these one, yep. two, five, 20 yep. positions. We actually think you'd be a really good fit for it. Would you be willing to talk to a recruiter? Yeah. Yep. That happens literally all the time. And it happens with GNs, right? So mm-hmm. graduate nurse comes out of school and we are, we are in you know, a situation where you know, in the end, we only hire so many GNs. Why? You know, you don't want to be cared by, you know, you know, somebody coming right out of school on a ICU, you know, floor or, or whatever. And so we can only hire so many GNs. But mm-hmm. to your point, in three years, they're not they're, new they're anymore. They're not new anymore, right? And so that's where this nurturing, this this experience curation, and and maybe just maybe as as AI um, progresses, right? And takes away some of those more laborious tasks that exist inside of the ecosystem that maybe we can focus on the experience a little bit more and curate that uh, a little bit tighter. And how cool when you think of internal talent will that be when not only can you do that with what's in your CRM, but you can actually say, hey, Matt, thanks for working here three years. You know, we had you in a role because you were a GN, but you're now qualified for these three roles that are open that you'd be a great fit for. Yeah. Because what we know and what our data is showing us right now is that candidates are actually much more likely right now to just go look outside your company before they look inside. Yeah. Um, if you look at application volume growing, 36% increase in external job applications, 2% increase in internal job applications. Wow. Which is really fascinating. Because yeah. There used to be this old adage, right? Everybody looks inside, applies, has a more right. experience as an internal candidate, and then they go elsewhere. I don't think that's happening anymore. Yeah. I think maybe it's just that we all know a little bit how much the sausage is made inside our own companies, or we feel like, you know, maybe there's this notion of there's a hiring freeze here. I'm not going to get a new job yeah. here. I've got to go somewhere else. I think we've all been through a lot with our employers in the last three years where we're like, it's got to be better somewhere else. But it's yeah. not because we know rebounds are yeah. astronomically high right now. Yeah. You know, hey, boomerang community. But I think it's really fascinating because that puts the onus on the employer to then say, well, they're not going to raise their hand when they're ready for the next job. They're going to raise their hand to your competitor across yep. the street. So yep. I do think and I hope that these technologies aren't just used for true TA, that someone is an external applicant. But Outside how of, yeah. cool would that be to say, you know, I'm speaking pipe dreams now, but we've noticed your last three reviews were glowing. Yeah. You've been here X number of years. Have you thought about the next step? Wouldn't that be awesome if your yeah. company reached out to you instead of you having to go to them and say like, hey... Remember uh, me? A, a deeper problem for, for another day, but <laughs> I, I've always felt like sometimes even your internal compensation strategy doesn't do you any favors on you know, retaining that top performer, right? And so I think you said in, in the report, 64% of, of those surveyed are frustrated that their manager is not a career path advocate. Right, not only for the career path, but also at some level for compensation. Your biggest compensation jumps sometimes come from leaving the company that you're at. And, and how challenging is that in an you know in an environment where you don't have enough talent to go around? I think we're hearing loud and clear that this notion of I should have to raise my hand for the next thing needs to go away. Hmm. They are looking. You know, I don't get, need to apply internally for my next job. But also, I mean, this is something we talk a lot about with Gen Zs, and even we talked about millennials as they join the workforce, right? This participation trophy, I should get the next level because, you mm-hmm. know, I did my two years, I should get it. And that's, you know, kind of funny to, to wisecrack about a little bit. But yeah. I do think there's some truth in that, which is there's a generational feel that's moving into from a minority to a majority of the workforce that feels like if I put my head down and I work really hard here, I want to be recognized. Yeah. I don't want to have to make a fuss, make a stink, ask for a counter, make a threat, right? There's this notion that I want my manager to see it. Getting that exceeds on the review is not enough. I want to see it. And then I want to be like, okay, great. 
what are we doing? And it's a we. And I think that we is really critical because for a long time, it was really on the employee to go figure out their journey. And Mm -hmm. what our survey results said is they're looking for their manager to maybe not just partner with them, but to actually lead them through that conversation. Mm. And I think, candidly, a lot of management in a lot of industries is not doing that today, right? Especially in healthcare, you may have 30, 50 direct reports, right? You are just trying to stay afloat and staff the shifts. But that really is a significant change. And as I was talking about some of these trends happening in other industries that really we should be perking our ears up in healthcare to say, those nurses, you know, go to a dinner party with friends who work in all these other industries. And w- imagine how they feel when that person across the table says, you know what happened this week at work? I yeah. review. Yeah. And I'm not getting a promotion, but my boss said, you know what? You're high potential. I'm going to give you this task and I'm your advocate. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Yep. Even if they're not in that space, that nurse leaves and goes, I wish I had that. Yeah. yeah. And that's the communication that's now so outwardly, you know, public that a lot of people didn't talk about things like their jobs or salaries, but everything's headline news right now. Yeah, yeah, totally. So a lot uh, of additional ideas and thoughts in the report. Is is there anything else that, you know, maybe we haven't talked about? And, and again, going back to the initial question, what do job seekers want right now that, that maybe you feel like we should have talked about for the benefit of the community here? I just keep going back to that sense of personalization. Hmm. And especially, I work a lot with the ISIMS healthcare customer base, and they'll be like, I'm hiring 300 nurses potentially right now, right? I'm opening a new facility. I'm Mm -hmm. hiring 50 physical therapists. The overwhelming feeling is that that candidate doesn't want to feel like one of 50 hires. Mm -hmm. They want Mm -hmm. to feel like the hire. Yeah. And those 49 others want the same thing. And that's hard. Yeah. But the overwhelming feeling is I want to feel special. I want to feel tailored to me. I want to feel this notion of it's a match together. Authenticity. Gosh, I just, the amount of still stock images I see on career sites, Mm -hmm. right? We talk a lot about in healthcare, right? Masking. And we talked a lot in the last couple of years of your career site images. Are they up to current protocols? They want to hear from each other, right? Long gone is the day that like this beautiful career site with the perfect text about how this is the most wonderful place to care for patients. I don't care. Show me a real testimonial or a video of a nurse that tells me what a day is actually like. Because if we learned anything from the great resignation is if we're sold a book of business or a book of goods, that is not the case. They will leave. Gone is that day that there's this notion of, well, I should be there for two or three years. That is so out the window. Yeah. People, we're learning, right? People just, if they get there and it's not what they thought it was going to be. Gone. Yeah, gone zone. I can take five other jobs. So I think that that piece of it is really overwhelming. Just that feeling of, like I was mentioning with texting, right? Make it about me. Make me feel like I have some say in the mm-hmm. process. But then again, let me learn about your company. And they are. They will read the Glassdoor reviews. Gone is the day that any job seeker believes a beautiful EVP typed across, yeah. you know, a stock photo or a professionally made video of how amazing this place is. Yeah. It's really about that authentic notion. I joke, right? Like I've never bought anything on Amazon with zero reviews yeah. and job seekers are feeling the same way. <laughs> so the, the EVP for you is truly the employee value proposition in an authentic positioned manner, right? And, Absolutely. And so you know, I, I love that. It's fun to sit with a, a tech executive, right? That That's talking about personalization and, and human connection at some level. And so, you know, I, I think sometimes, you know, and you, you go around the, the floor here and, and you, you talk to, you know, new vendors, new ideas. I mean, it, a lot of it about the technology, about the product, 
yourself. And so, you know, obviously we've all been taught that it is a strong mixture of, of sound process, the right recruiters, right, the right humans up against the process, and then in essence the right technology kind of allowing them to scale and, and allowing them, them to move. It feels like we've got some good alignment there, at least you and I. I mean, I think, look, we are human resources. I want to feel like a human. Do yeah. I think it's, I think I, I come from a background before I was in the HR space. I was deep in the tech stack. I've had my whole career in tech and product management and in engineering management. And I think technology is incredible, but we are people. Yeah. Every day at work, we are people who want to feel like people. And I think the more that my job application feels robotic, I don't want to feel like a robot. And I don't want to work for a company where... I'm a number yeah. or I'm a line in a database. And I do think keeping that human and human resources is incredibly important. And we talk about it a lot at iSIMS, right? This notion of using AI to be a co-pilot. I still want a human flying that plane. Sure. And I still want to personally work for a company where I feel like a human is flying that yeah. plane. Um, yeah. I spend, you know, we spend almost more time at work than we do doing anything sure. else. Definitely, you know, maybe sleeping. Yeah. yeah. I do love to sleep. <laughs> um, but I think that that is really important. And the technology is going to make the humans more efficient. It's going to make humans smarter. I like this notion I heard today, right? It's going to make a power user an even stronger power mm. user. Yeah. But I don't think it can replace the knowledge and the people skills altogether. And I yeah. think that's how we look at it at iSIMS. That's how I look at it personally. And it's interesting because when we do the responses and we do the surveys and we look at the data, that's what people still want to feel like. People. Yeah. I was talking to Ernest Ingover at, at HireScore here today, and, and he's you know positioning something very similar to you, which was unlocking the, the full human potential of creativity you know, in these scenarios to do exactly what you're saying, engage in, in an authentic way. Versus just running the process, right? And, and I feel, in, in, especially in talent acquisition, you know, in healthcare, there is a lot of just process management. I'm just trying to get this requisition offered, this requisition closed, and move to the next one. And, and so I hope that, that I'm in a, in, in, a, in a time where that's evolving, that's changing, and, and we can you know, maybe get a little bit more human back in the human resource. So. so it's funny you say that, too, because at the same time that we hear, I just need to do this faster. I just need my people to get through the wrecks faster. We then hear the complaints of, I don't know why this person ghosted us on day one. They accepted yeah. our offer. Why didn't they show <laughs> yeah. up? Well, yeah. guess what? They don't create a bond no connection. with a piece of technology yeah. necessarily. Yeah. They create a bond with that recruiter, right? Yep, for sure. In the exact same way that we saw resignation rates go up significantly when folks didn't come in and didn't see each other in person, right? Yep. I like to say I never felt bad quitting a job when I sat down with my manager or HR in my previous companies, but I felt horrible walking over to the people I ate lunch with every day. Yeah. And I was like, you guys, I'm devastated. Love you all but I've got this new job offer. Yep. And I think that the people are the connection. Like I love how you said the employee value proposition, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what we have to remember and focus on is we're all in HR in the business of the people. Yeah. And I think it's important to stay grounded in. Yeah, I love that. Well, I appreciate your time today very much though. I guess I just had one last question. I was doing a little research on the on you specifically. Oh and, boy. And know that you're, well, and I know that you're out in front for ISIMS, right? And you're frequently talking about tech trends. You're You're interested in, gender issues, women in tech, right? Absolutely. And so I, I guess just in your opinion, what, what's one of the, we're at HR Tech, we right? Are. So what is one of the most urgent issues that the tech industry needs to confront today as it, not healthcare, but this, this industry right now? Oh, that's such a good question. I was just having a conversation 
right before this. And I, I unfortunately have not made it to many talks. I've been busy, but it's been a great show. Yeah. And I said, what are the themes you've heard this year? And I keep getting the same two responses. Interestingly enough, from several people, they say Gen AI and skills. And I said, well, that's really interesting because last year I felt like you couldn't get a talk that didn't have the words DEI in the description. Yeah. So you're hearing anything about that. Hmm. And I think where I would call out kind of if I could, you know, put a little bit of a call to action out to the world is all of this is great, but we can't stop the other forward progress we were making. Yeah. You know, that. I have been the only woman in the room in so many conversations and tables in my career. I worked at a database startup, right? Like mm -hmm. surprise, surprise on the engineering team. <laughs> yeah. There were not a whole bunch of us. Yeah. Shout out to the great ones there were though. And I just think that what I get worried about is all of this is shiny and really exciting, but it is still really important to mm -hmm. then go back to what are the metrics? Are we still making forward progress on what we talked about last year and the years before? Yeah. I think we can't let the new shiny toy make us lose sight of really significant progress we were making on these fronts. You know, yeah. we are seeing gender discrepancy in technology roles improving every year. Mm -hmm. And I just don't want to see that backslide because now we're more excited by the actual tech yeah. than necessarily getting those people in, getting them involved and getting them excited in roles that maybe historically weren't a great fit for them. Yeah. And I think it's interesting for the healthcare folks because I give that same kind of talk track. I like to call them repeatable ramblings. Yeah. I think I yeah, mentioned yeah, that yeah. to you. Yeah. I can get on a soapbox for quite a while here, but I think it's interesting because the other, the same side of that coin is, for example, you know, male nurses, yeah. right? We look at healthcare and it's great to talk about DEI in one way, but we can't not talk about it in the other and yeah. say, we're having a problem still that we don't have enough candidates. Yep. So we cannot afford whatsoever, especially in a space like healthcare, to have a set of candidates that don't feel like they belong in your company, mm -hmm. don't feel like they would be included, would feel like. I was about to say the odd man out, but now maybe that sure. is the actual right way to refer to it. When we have shortages in talent, we cannot afford for anyone whatsoever to feel like your company is not a place that you want to be, would fit in, or you could succeed and grow in. Yeah. You're obviously, you know, in a position of, of, of power, responsibility, you know, inside of, of ISMs and the, the broader uh, industry. And so, you know, we've probably got, you know, parents listening to the, to the show here today. I've got two girls, and so my question, my last question, very last question, we're at optimal po podcast length here, I think, right now, is, you know, just thinking about the younger generation coming up. What, what's some advice that, that you give to, to young women that maybe are wanting to aspire to be in, in, in a position like you're in and grow like you have, have grown from a career perspective? Oh, that's such a good question. I have two at home. I have a six-year-old daughter who's in first grade and a four-year-old son, and it was actually really fun this year on Take Your Child to Work Day. I had a speaking engagement. Nice. And I had this moment where I was like, maybe this is advice for moms, but yeah. I'll get to the younger women in a minute. And I was like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? ISIM shows this huge party. It's awesome. My daughter thinks that like going to work is just going to a bounce house <laughs> yeah. and free ice yeah. cream, yeah. which, sorry for the EVP ISIM, <laughs> that's not all we do. And I said, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I was just totally stressed out about it. And I was a little bit behind on my schedule. It was like two days before. And I, I went, you know what? It was a panel on women in business. And I said, I reached out to the woman who was running it. And I said, can I bring my daughter? I love that. And she was like, what? Yeah. I said, bring your kid to work day. I messed up. I'm really sorry. Yeah. I said, can I bring her? Like, can she just sit in the corner? I'll bring an iPad. Yeah. And she was like, bring your daughter. Yeah. And it was so awesome because when I got there, 
not only did she come, they pulled a chair up on stage and they had her join the panel. Oh, and that's great. They asked her great questions like, what's your favorite thing about kindergarten? Which yeah. I'm pretty sure she said the bus ride. <laughs> but I think that the number one way that we can set examples is to continue to include others. I think it would have been really easy to say like, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Or, you know, things like traveling. Like, we're in Las Vegas. My family's in New Jersey. I have an incredibly supportive husband. Yeah. And my daughter knows. She's like, Mommy, you're giving a talk. What are you talking on? Yeah. And I think the yeah. more we talk to that generation, I think the more that they will, it's just normal. Yeah. They don't, they, they think it's weird now when daddy goes on a business trip, not when mommy does. Yeah. And I think that what we can say to young women, and I think like personally, why I like to have a role like this is when I started doing it, public speaking terrified me. But I said, well, if I don't get on stage as a younger woman in tech, talking at these conferences yep. well then someone that's going won't feel like they can have that opportunity to do it in yeah. the future i ended up in tech because candidly math just always came easy to me yeah. if you ask me to write you an essay i'm horrible <laughs> i will benefit from chat gpt someday <laughs> yeah but i think that there's a huge opportunity for us all to be examples and i think that this notion anymore in the year 2023 that there are genders and types of people that fill certain roles is gone and anybody who feels like an imposter look it is what it is. I think everybody at some point feels like they don't belong until they realize that they do. Yeah. So yeah. I, I love that question. Thank you for asking. It. Yeah. Well, Ray Moss, I really appreciate the time here today. Good luck on your presentation tomorrow. Thank you. If somebody listening wants to consume the whole report, where, where would they find that? So any of the insights reports that come out, there's actually a new one coming out tomorrow, which is the 12th, that focuses on retail and transportation, but also high-level labor market, can find it at isims.com slash insights. I always say a little bit like teaser, easy way to do it is follow me on LinkedIn. Anytime we publish anything, I'll do a video kind of highlighting it with a link to the full report. And that's a good way to do it as well. Follow the Ray Amos, everyone. <laughs> Appreciate you very much. Thank Hope you for having you. me. All right. Bye now. All right. We want to thank you for listening to TA in the Trenches. We are produced by Iron Mike and his team at Ironbound Media. Keep up the great work, team. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You also can find me out on LinkedIn where you'll find quick show riffs, feel free to ping me. I always respond. Bye for now.